0: in 2021. And then the podcast started in 2022. And now in 2023, I finally did it. I finally aligned our schedules so that we could do this episode. And I'm so thankful because I learned a lot from Tiada, and I hope you do too. Before we start the episode, I do want to let you know that Tiada was recovering from a sore throat. So if you are wondering what any extra sounds are, it might be that. Tell us everything you want us to know about you. Well, Halito, hello everybody.
1: My name is Tiada Pigay. I am Choctaw Chickasaw and Taos Pueblo from Ada, Oklahoma, currently residing in Durant, Oklahoma on the Choctaw Nation. I like to joke around with my husband that uh, I captured him because he is of the Navajo Nation from Red Mesa, Arizona, hence where I get my last name, Be Gay. Together, we have two handsome, crazy, wild little boys. Much of my professional experience revolves around Native American history and culture sharing, as well as constant learning. Also, as you mentioned, I'm working toward my doctoral degree uh, with a focus on tribal cultural museums and cultural centers and that's what i'll be sharing a little bit more with about you today
0: i love that what language did you welcome us with that is the choctaw language i am one that
1: is most definitely not fluent it is something that i'm still getting a handle on learning i'm very thankful to have a grandpa that is still with me that is fluent so our language is still very much alive and exists and there's still our opportunities for us to learn thankfully that's
0: so beautiful i shameless plug i am learning my mother tongue tagalog from the philippines i never got to learn uh literally until i was like 34 so
1: how is that going so far
0: Oh, you know, I have learned that the English language develops our muscles in our mouth, that makes learning indigenous languages actually really challenging because there's just sounds that we don't have the muscles uh, for. So I'm, it's like I'm learning how to dance in my mouth.
1: Makes sense. Very similar. I'm assuming yeah your mouth just doesn't work some way with some ways the word is supposed to be pronounced okay. I know with a lot of native languages if you talk in the native tongue and you're trying to explain it in English it doesn't make sense or it's very backwards yes. or very uh, descriptive language yeah so it's very hard to explain in English <laughs>
0: correct the the language itself Tagalog itself is like emotional like the expressive yeah expressive so then when you try to like translate it it's like we don't we don't have a word for that
1: (laughs) (laughs) i know a lot of times like when i'm trying to
0: learn a language i get
1: really close to somebody's mouth to see how they're like pronunciating and just moving their lips their Mm -hmm. tongue you know sometimes there's just a little clack or something that makes all the difference
0: That makes me feel so much better because my classes are online because um, it's a international class. My coach is in the Philippines and my teacher is in Mississippi and then my classmates are across really the U.S., some Canada. And so for the listeners, what's happening right now is I get really close to the screen like this and I stare at their mouths really hard. So that makes me feel better that you said that. I thought I was being weird. <laughs>
1: And I, you know, you have to totally, sorry, sorry. I'm just trying to get it right. And that's part of, that's part of it though, is, you know, making sure that you're understanding and, you know, recognizing it correctly. Mm. (laughs) Do you have a lot of people to talk your indigenous language with?
0: So my mom doesn't have enough patience to talk to me in any (laughs) language. (laughs) and I have a partner, a practice partner in California. And then I actually started taking flamenco class from Erica Vasquez at her studio, Everything Goes Dance. And there's a Filipino woman who will speak, like we'll do a little bit of dialogue back and forth on Monday night when we see each other. So I have about like a handful, but I definitely am looking forward to an immersive experience with like someone holding my hand.
1: Uh, that is something that I, you know, I am so um, thankful that our tribe offers right now. Speaking of which, back on indigenous uh, languages, again, yeah. just kind of reiterating what we are talking about, yes. um, um, the Choctaw Nation that I do, uh, you know, live on. Thankfully, you know, our headquarters is 10 minutes up the road. Um, and I do, we do have those resources to learn online. I know our, the Choctaw classes are actually starting up this coming Monday as well. So that's something I'm hoping to start digging into, um, kind of expanding on my dictionary a little bit. But there's so many resources to, um, you know, learn. Even just getting some basic phrases throughout the day. You know, I'm hungry. How are you? See you later. That kind of thing. So that's something I'm really thankful for as well.
0: Because I think the medicine doesn't have to be a big dose, right? It can be a small dose to like eat, hear it, like it speaks to your soul. Like, just to be, like, to take a little bit of the medicine. You don't have to, like, chug it all at once. One, you'll get overwhelmed. Two, <laughs> it's, it's just uh, tiny steps towards, you know, getting that peace reintroduced to yourself is so good for us. For sure. It is. It's very
1: rewarding. It's very, you know, hard. And it's something that's definitely not easy to learn. It's complicated. Oh, sure. you know, there's so many rules when you don't really think about it. But one of my favorite things to do is like listen to the songs, or I don't know um, if you guys have like lullabies, but that's something that I grew up listening to. And even if you don't know the language, you start getting the tune and you can start singing, you know, just a song that you become familiar mm-hmm. with. And that's something that even that I appreciate or my boys like from
0: time to time. <laughs> That is really good advice. And when we get off this Zoom, I am gonna go look for Filipino lullabies. So thank you. You never know. Yeah, I'm sure there's. I'm sure it's out there. I just never thought to look. I appreciate that. Can I practice saying your name? Tiada. Tiada, which is exactly how it's spelled. I think I feel insecure when I. I maybe I don't know how to read. (laughs) <laughs> no, it,
1: it is. I've been, you know, asked how I pronounce that, um, you know, my whole life. A lot of people have actually said, you know, well, that's not what it says because it is T apostrophe ATA. We all didn't learn about our apostrophes, <laughs> but, um, uh, I'm Choctaw Chickasaw in Taos Pueblo and uh, Tiara actually came from the Chickasaw language. My grandma's Chickasaw and the way that, um, we actually came to understand Tiada was that it was bringer of the morning, or as I like to say, sunrise. So um oh. identify as sunrise.
0: I love that. Tiada, you are a sunrise. Oh stop. Are, <laughs> that's so beautiful. <laughs> well, very nice. Well, I feel like you have already shared so much great information with us. thank you i'm trying (laughs) i'm curious your perspective on hyphenated americans since everyone's hyphenated typically except for european americans that being said what is your preference do you prefer native american or indigenous or like what is your perspective on this
1: i prefer the terms native or indigenous I use those two pretty interchangeably. I think a lot of it is my upbringing and also um, you know, my cultural education. But most often um, the question I get is, are you Native American or are you Indian? Mm-hmm. Uh, both of which I do respond to as yes, I do acknowledge that. A lot of times you do get from Native people that, no, I'm not Indian, I'm not from India. Mm. But, you know, you don't really get a lot of education out of that. That doesn't tell you anything. Right. So typically with that question, I follow, yes, I am Native. I'm actually Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Taos Pueblo. I do my best to identify because, um, you know, in the United States alone, there are over 500 Native American tribes. And we are not all one people. We have very different histories, cultures, languages. And so, um, yeah, I know that's something um, important to note just just in that conversation. Uh, one question about Native American can mean two different things depending on the tribe you're talking to. So very thankfully, I know my uh, Native culture background thankfully i was able to grow up in a more traditional lifestyle so i do have the opportunities to go a little bit deeper into either my Choctaw history my Chickasaw history or thankfully my Taos Popolo histories as well oh so, yeah that's that's something i like to acknowledge
0: that is such a beautiful insightful thought to share with us because one i think my first reaction is so many people don't have the vocabulary to ask the question more thoroughly. And then, unfortunately, there are people who haven't had a traditional upbringing and they don't know the answer to mm-hmm. their their own lineage. So I almost want to ask a, a follow-up question. Go for it. <laughs> How, if you were not... A, In a traditional family, if your family did not have that connection to tradition, how could someone curious who's like, I know that I have this, this relationship to this entity, but I don't know how to connect to it or relate to it? Like, what would you suggest to them? Yeah,
1: that that is a very, you know, hard question to ask. And that's also a very challenging thing to navigate a, I guess, hot topic in Native American education is intergenerational trauma. And so with what goes with that is the topic of boarding schools. And many times with history, we learned that boarding schools was so, so long ago, a thing of our past, something that happened, you know, long before we existed. But in all actuality, boarding schools were, you know, a mere 60, 70 years ago. And so, you know, my grandpa was a student of the boarding school. And so with some, everybody had different experiences, but in my grandfather's case with boarding school, it wasn't the best experience or the best time to be Native American. So in his case, he did have his culture, his language, you know, taken away from him. So there was that time where we did, in my family history, have that disconnect of our Choctaw side. Thankfully, you know, I am a multicultural indigenous person, as I've been explaining. So, you know, just just my background on my grandparents' side, on the Taos Pueblo side, it's a culture that's still, you know, alive and thriving. It's also a culture that's very hidden from the public eye, as opposed to, you know, the cultural Choctaw side, where we do have, you know, cultural centers. We do have, you know, social Social dances, opportunities for the public to come in. You know, there's very different experiences. And like I said, it's very hard to navigate. But that's also something to be mindful of, too, that she said, is that there are some students that are physically identifiable as Native American that know everything there is to know. But there are some physically identifiable that, you know, as you may mention, that, you know, are not really sure. But thankfully, we've come to the time to where there are so many research opportunities, tribal entities, which is what I wanting to explain to you uh, even further throughout this podcast is that tribal nations do have the opportunity and the resources now to share their own history, their own culture, you know, um, at a level that is open and is good for public schools for, uh, you know, universities, the one that I previously worked at, you know, we had dignitaries and different celebrities and public fear, figures coming in wanting to, you know, learn about this Native American tribe. And then going back to like what I said about Native American people, there are over 500 in the United States, 39 of which are in the state of Oklahoma, in which we reside. And so this might be leading into one of your next questions, but going back to Google, Google's one of your best resources. I encourage you, if you want to learn about Native Americans, specifically reach out to tribally-led museums and cultural centers. Um, Depending on your location, cultural centers in Oklahoma, cultural centers in the Northwest, and you know... um, there's quite a few that pop up around the nation. And that's something, you know, I definitely encourage you to reach out to. Speaking a little bit more on this, I know in my previous experiences, we did have a lot of outside curriculum that we were willing to share. There was uh, programs, activities, demonstrations. If you go on maybe a slower day, if you don't mind calling ahead, you might get some one on one time. But it was definitely a good uh, learning resource for Native and non-Native. You know, just something to go, a place to go roam and, you know, let your questions kind of go from there. And something I encourage everybody to do.
0: I believe that's actually how we became connected. Yeah. was a, a Native, was it was like an expose yes. at Oklahoma Contemporary. Yes, ma'am. And you were performing fancy shawl dances. Is that? Yes, ma'am. That is my
1: dance. Most typically, I guess I could share in my free time when I'm not being a student and I'm not being, you know, that cultural educator going to the schools, the universities. Um, I do uh, identify as a powwow dancer as well. I actually dance fancy shawl. Powwow is could be a traditional competitive social dance, a social gathering celebration. It's where all Native American tribes and non-Native people can come celebrate, listen to songs and dances. There are about 12 public dance categories, each with their own unique origin story, way of dressing, way of movement, and way of songs. Those go on year-round every weekend, sometimes during the week. But yeah, I guess depending on the location, uh, you kind of see different variations in how powwows are kind of, I don't want to say operated, but how they run. And so that's something, uh, you know, unique in itself too. If you're able to travel enough back to Google, powwows in Oklahoma, powwows in Kansas, whatever you want to do. But depending on your location, you'll definitely see some differences in the dance styles and uh, the songs as well.
0: I know one, Oklahoma Contemporary, was like a, hey, did you know that this existed in the state of Oklahoma? <laughs> and then recently, the First Americans Museum here in Oklahoma City, I went to mm-hmm. the Summer Solstice powwow. Oh, wow. <sighs> yes. Yeah. I I just sat there the whole time, right? And I just like observed. And just like you said, the, the way it operates, like I had some fried bread, I watched some <laughs> dancing, I listened to some drumming and singing, and I learned that I need to bring cash. <laughs> we're getting better. Like <laughs> this
1: weekend I went to a vendor and I was like, You got Cash App? They're like, We got Google Pay. And I was like, All right. Yeah. So we're getting better. <laughs> That, I mean, right, yeah, that's good. No. I'm happy, and also, everyone bring cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I know, like our conversations, information overload, and I'm pretty sure what you may have experienced could have been a little bit of sensory overload. But t- I think I was
0: in. I was like this. I was like, I was just staring, like, this is amazing. And then they had a key speaker a keynote speaker for, I think, from Choctaw I got, I, I'm gonna be. This was two years ago. Potentially from Choctaw Nation, and they were saying these events, whether you're native or not, we need to come together in community to to see the humanity in one another. And like sitting there and listening to him speak, I like I actually cried, like I remember like like actively eating fried bread, crying, listening to this man speak. And it just the point of my on this rant is the first American Museum might be a starting point for some people who are maybe intimidated or scared or don't know where to start so that they can then maybe hear, they can absorb new words to go out and f- and find these resources that you're probably actually going to tell us about here in a little bit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I said, this is like, I don't want the information overload you because it is a lot, you know, I keep going back to, you know, how many tribes there are in the United States, how many tribes there are in um, Oklahoma alone, 38 federally, 39, um, you know, or 39, one of which is not federally recognized, but FAM is an awesome place to start. I actually visited there for the first time last weekend. And it was amazing. It does touch a little bit on all the tribes. You know, it gives a very good representation of some of the similarities, some of the different experiences. And, you know, you know I, I, be- I would like to say a very wholesome life of the traditional as well as the modern contemporary Native person. It was beautiful, Uh, I heard a lot of good things about the Solstice Festival that they have and that's something that uh, my friend and I were actually trying to plan for this time around. So hopefully we make that, but yeah, it was beautiful. That's definitely a great place to start. When you do go out to these other cultural centers, they do, they get very specific on that one tribe alone. Like I said, depending on where you're visiting, but yeah, none of the cultural centers that you visit will be the same but at the same time you know I've um, been very fortunate enough to visit very very many talk to very many elders different communities and something that I've learned as well and I you know I to this day you know this weekend I was somewhere and I got emotional as well listening to the stories because it does you know it's really beautiful it's unique that a lot of times going back, you hear that culture was a thing of the past. It's ancient. But then sometimes these stories are just so meaningful. It does, you know, connect you to something that happened yesterday. Or, you know, something might happen this evening. And it reminds me of that story, you know, that I heard this weekend. So that's where, you know, where the emotions come back in. Is it? It does humble you. It does give you a little bit of that humanness, humility, I guess. Because something that I've noticed about my travels throughout the nation is that we do have a lot of differences but in Native American storytelling in oral tradition I've come to learn that a lot of these Indigenous stories pick up on one another or I could make inferences that possibly fill in some of the blanks of other stories Again, this is a lot. Like I said, information overload. And I apologize for that. But I
0: think that's the beauty of the recording, right? You can go back, listen to it again. Hold on, I got to get that piece of information. So it is. It's really cool. My hope is that this thing is like this thing. And it's cool to make those
1: connections when you get those aha moments.
0: My hope is that this is your first of many times on the podcast so that you can be like, Maria, I'm ready to hammer down on this one area, so that you can get all the vocabulary that you can get in this one area, and then run with it.
1: Okay. We can try hope. that. Yes, <laughs> this is my hope. I have to. I have to really, uh, really focus on my notes and stuff like that yeah, too. No problem. Tone it down, Tiada, and back <laughs> up a is, little bit.
0: This is <laughs> everyone. Welcome to Tiada. Like this refer is back to this page to see what this means. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. Perfect. We'll just, we'll outline your <laughs> dissertation here. It'll be great.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, everything that we're talking about today. It You know, it is a lot, but it's something that in my, you know, educational studies, this is actually what I am focusing on is, you know, the importance of tribally owned specifically cultural museums. Uh, museums and cultural centers. And it is because of you know the accurate up-to-date information and representation that they do portray. Working at a cultural center that was something that believe it or not, you know came around so much was that a lot of people actually came up to me and said, "Wow, I've never seen a Native American before." Or maybe asked me where my TP was you know stationed. Uh, you know, things like that. And so um, I feel like that gave me a really good opportunity to be like, wow, you know, we're missing we're missing a lot here. And so that's where, you know, I really started to focus on um, a lot of the resources that we did have for schools to reach out. So when Native November did come, you know, we were there ready to, like I said, help fill in the blanks or um, even in my free time, my travels. I, I like getting the hard questions. Those are the questions you know are hard to ask, but sometimes easier to ask easier to ask than be left in the unknowing and um, maybe you never know if you might have your representation wrong or you might have been fed inaccurate repre- or information before. So um, that's something I always try to do and you know my experiences is give time for people to ask sometimes a hard question, and just give you my take on, um, you know, how I see something and why. So I I try my best to explain. It might not be the best
0: explanation, but I try. (laughs) Yes to all of that, because (laughs) a big yes to sometimes we have an inaccurate understanding of our own representation, right? Like, There are many overlapping pieces of culture of dominance that has led Native and Indigenous people to very skewed perceptions of self and community. So yes, thank you for doing this work to help people even see themselves differently
1: Yeah. And, you know, um, like I said, everybody's got different experiences, different perspectives. And sometimes a lot of time, it's just stepping back and getting, um, I guess, a a taste of somebody else's, you know, plate, Mm -hmm. maybe just a little peek into somebody else's life. You know, I don't want to say it's constant reflection, but it is. It really does. It keeps you grounded on, uh, I guess, why things are the way they are, or maybe even how things may have evolved. Absolutely. And so that's, I guess that's just the way that my mind works in learning about indigenous people, indigenous culture, and how we got to where we are today. So, in I guess my line of work, that's really important to understand, you know, what challenges or what triumphs, you know, have helped to get us here what resources we have to utilize and what we plan to do with those to you know take us into the future
0: for sure So a lot of fun stuff like that i love (laughs) that i'm so thankful for that so first of all can i tell you that i thought it was did i get you off track no i thought it was native october for the longest time i thought it was october yes but this is good. Your this episode is coming out October 1st, and that gives everyone time to hear the episode and prepare for November. Yes. This is excellent. So Native November <laughs> is coming in the near future. Yeah. What would you like <clears throat> to see educators do in their classrooms? You know, you can be as specific as, please use this resource, please call this person, or you can be as broad as you want. But what does November look like to you in education? Speaking
1: back on my previous experiences working at a cultural center, Native November was, you know, the busiest time of the year. Very, 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 very good because everybody wanted to learn about Native Americans wanted to, you know, they're the hot topic, but at the same time, it was sometimes hard for me just because as I explained to some people, we didn't exist any other time than November. So I'm sure that's how it is for many different people, but you know, that's also a time to showcase. I personally, my family and I, we take that opportunity to showcase our powwow style, And we showcase our powwow style, our public dance styles, our contemporary Native dance styles, because that is something that is okay to share with the public. It is something that we encourage um, others to want to learn about, to come visit, to come watch these competition style dances. But typically when we do um, the shows, as I explained, we talk a little bit about the origin stories, why we move or why we speak or um seeing the things we do when it comes to native november i encourage educators schools to actually reach out to their local museums and cultural centers again tribal tribal uh, led museums and cultural centers and you know in all honesty it's just being upfront and honest hey i have a, a group of five people we want to come i typically encourage say we want to spend the day it's a little bit more meaningful than saying i have you know 5 minutes <laughs> to get something done but you know it it really does it's really meaningful when you have people people genuinely wanting to come and learn because you do have people like me who will talk your ear off who will tell you everything there is to know and more Um, Like I said, I encourage you to maybe go on a slower day because you'll have time to ask the questions, get that one-on-one, and maybe get some of that inside scoop about the place, the culture, maybe some of the stories. But that is something I do encourage you to reach out to. Like I said, there were some worksheets at the time that we used to hand out the cultural centers are probably your best resource too. If you're looking for maybe a a tribal member in the community to maybe teach you a more programmatic or hands-on activity, say you're looking for a singer, a dancer, somebody that knows a little bit, you know, honestly, just be upfront with them. And you never know, depending on the cultural center, they might have different resources or even the community. But I would say that's, definitely your best bet and like i said just going back to being honest up front what you're looking for and you can totally say hey this is my first time i don't know what to do and and they'll give you some very good you know recommendations of you've got a little bit of time here this is what i think is most important so there's always somebody willing to take the time and teach you
0: i appreciate that so i think you said something very important important um November is so busy because it's like Native people don't exist until November, so they're boxed into November. So let's say we live in education utopia, if you can go there (laughs) with me in your mind's eye for a moment, what would Native inclusive education look like throughout the whole school year? Throughout the whole school year. Yeah, if it wasn't just boxed into November. In an ideal world, it would look like da, da, ooh, da. That's a tough one.
1: Because um, oh, I don't know. I haven't gone that far into my imagination. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that could be dangerous. No, I'm just
0: kidding. No, I think it's a but, beautiful place. You know, like,
1: In terms, you know, a lot of my focus has actually been within the state of Oklahoma, specifically on the Oklahoma history education, because much of Oklahoma state history is focused on trail of tears and the Oklahoma land run. And so, um, you know, in my experiences and also in my research, A lot of the time, it's acknowledged as, you know, trail of tears as a hardship, a struggle, a very bad thing, which it was. But there were, I guess, maybe in the Indigenous eye, there was a lot of beauty in it as well, of overcoming, you know, hardship, utilizing sovereignty, utilizing village and community. But also, you know, a lot of hardship in acknowledging something as, seen as simple in the land run where, you know, to the, in this day and age, they still give students a sack lunch and ask you to go stake your claim. And so as an Indigenous person, that was hard because that actually wasn't, you know, open free range land. That was places Indigenous people already dwelled. So, you know, There's some things like that that I feel, you know, need to be acknowledged and back to that updating, giving accurate acknowledgement, you know, specifically in the state of Oklahoma because it was recognized as Indian territory. So I really do have to work on my imagination if we
0: were to go like in an ideal. So you know what we're going to do on the next podcast. Some ideas
1: for some starts.
0: (laughs) No, I like that. So I, I look forward to you being on the podcast episode of the future so that you can be like, Maria, I have this idea. <laughs> because my hope uh, is that you'll put your ideas into the episode and then we'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a good idea. And we go do it. So this you, is, never this is you never know. You never know. mean, your opportunity is... to reprogram uh. us.
1: <laughs> right. You got me, you got me thinking, um, I might be in my program a little bit
0: longer. <laughs> oh, all right then. I am curious for you as an individual, what does November look like? Are you just like just solid booked every day? Do you like come up for air? Oh,
1: it's, it's a lot of fun because I do, I kind of, um, for the most part, I kind of double dip so um, I do get asked to still help with the cultural center from time to time. So I get to showcase a specific um, indigenous tribal culture, as well as, like I said, my powwow side. And so, um, you know, that's when all those schools, the universities reach out. They ask for um, dance demonstrations for it's so much fun with the younger kids, like the kindergartners, the third graders, very hectic. But it's fun because um we typically get them up dancing, they like all the sounds, the colors, you know, the fast movement. And it's really fun, you know, tailoring your conversation to your audience. And then you get those hard questions with the students from universities. So sometimes they throw you curveballs too. But yeah, you know, we're just constantly on the road. And I say we get in shape in November more than anything. <laughs> because we're just dancing 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 it's just like a month of endurance (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah that's definitely our endurance month but it's fun you know any chance um to be able to talk about you know what we love to do and why we do it the more the merrier
0: what resources do you recommend for public school teachers to better serve native students so this is like Beyond native November. This is recognizing the humanity of the human inside of our classroom. What would you like to see for that student?
1: Um, you know, I just have to keep, you know, amplifying the resource that cultural centers can actually be. They're not open just in November, they're actually open year round. And like what we've talked about with fam, different cultural centers do celebrate different, uh, you know, times of the year, different important seasons. Um, There's different festivals and, you know, cultural doings that happen once a year. And um, like I said, year round. So there's always a calendar to look at to become involved. Uh, There's always a different skill set to learn there's just all kinds of programs that you can be involved in. And I think that's something that's very meaningful because working previously at a cultural center, there was, you know, there was some um, visitors that were non-Native, but they felt so connected to our cultural center that they actually became their own little family, their own community with us, with how much they visited, with how much they wanted to, you know, just be involved because, Going back to even your experiences that you talked about, having a feeling, having an emotional connection, you never know when you're going to get that spark, when you're going to get that feeling. You never know when you find that place where you belong. And so, um, you know, I think that's something that sometimes you have to test the waters or sometimes you have to put yourself in that uncomfortable place to maybe find that comfortability. It is definitely, uh, you know, hard to step out of that comfort zone. I think the hardest part is actually making that step to that willingness to want to learn and actually be vulnerable and expose yourself to something completely different. But that's also, you know, that's also part of the fun in too, is you never know what you're going to get yourself into. I do have some friends that, you know, I had, I had never been to our cultural center. I was like, you know, this is where I work and they're like, wow, I want to come, you know, dance all the time. And here's some of them were actually when we needed volunteer dancers for some of the, you know, bigger doings, cultural doings, then they were actually some of the volunteers that came in. So you never know what opportunities might come from, you know, just being involved as well.
0: I think that's excellent that just being, you know, open. I will tell you, that pandemic really did a number on the kids because, like, you had to force them to talk to each other. That's why I asked them about their least <clears throat> favorite broccoli today. Like, it's has nothing to do with dance, has nothing to do with grades. I just wanted them to speak to each other. So I had to, like, give them something to talk about because they're like this. <laughs> oh, it is hard. Nothing. N- <laughs> no, no, like, eye contact. No, like, what's the human next to me doing? Like, oh Lordy! So yes, I think just continuing to it is open it up is the hard. students got excited,
1: and I would you know even um, a personal challenge I would like to add to is that Indigenous people historically are known to have a little bit more of a stoic looking face. <laughs> So they may not always look approachable, but once you kind of, you know, make that initial, hey, how's it going? What's this, what's that? You know, you'll start getting some jokes. Um, so maybe some fun poked at you, but that's all just love. And that's part of that indigenous culture is that, you know, we're kind of always laughing, joking, or it's, you know, it goes back to that humility that, you know, we're not perfect. And that's part of the fun. <laughs> i agree that is part of the fun yeah so sorry if we're a little bit hard to approach but (laughs) once you get there (laughs) you
0: know i think that that's like every human's job right is to just be like hello other human how is your time on the planet today yeah (laughs)
1: One of my like most favorite social experiences that I like to think about, like in my travels, because we're always, you know, in a hotel or going somewhere like that, is those elevator exercises where people are turned the opposite way. I always want to do that just for fun, just to be like, Man, this girl's weird or what is she doing? Just you know, to see
0: that's because like I said, that's just one of
1: those things. That's
0: just one of those things. You want to see what other people do. That's so funny because as much as I seem like an, an extrovert, I'm actually an introvert. And I definitely follow the elevator. Like you, you face the door.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So like going back to, you know, cultural differences and, you know, like I said, I travel, I travel a lot. So like just for instance, you know, this past weekend I was in Minnesota not too long ago uh, before that I was in North Dakota, you know, every weekend totally different state, but I will share with you this one experience. So in um, the Northwest, uh, Northwest coast, they actually um, dance counterclockwise, as opposed to, um, you know, where we are in, you know, central Oklahoma, we dance clockwise, but in Northwest in my travels, like I said, they were dancing clockwise or counterclockwise. And that was something I forgot. So like, as we're doing one of our social dances, I'm like turning, or I'm like dancing. And then I see everybody else going the other way. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm gonna turn this way and go this other way. So, I mean, like I said, that's part of it too. Like, there's even times where I myself am like, oh, I messed up, oh, I forgot, I'm learning.
0: Which and is amazing because so you have- you're a highly educated person <laughs> it's, in this it's part of that.
1: <laughs> even. You know um, where we traveled this past weekend. Um, like I said, I have two young boys. One that's four years old, and my baby. He's he's a year and a half, but he's not really uh, walking yet. So typically, you know, I'm dancing, enjoying myself. Um, sometimes I'll have a stroller, but you know, when when we're dancing, I'll carry him and bounce him along. But where we did travel was Ojibwe country, and in their part of you know the country where we uh, were you know in their native territory on their tribal lands, in their way they don't carry their babies in the dance arena, and so you know that's something that they acknowledge when they're in the, in their territories. That's something as a visitor to pay attention to and actually listen to because like I said, you're in their neck of the woods. And so that's something that I think is just something that should be respected and listened to is, I knew not to carry my baby so sadly, you know, but with respect, I left him outside, you know, I was still there, including him, it's just, I respected their ways by not carrying him. And so just, just different things like that, like I said, I'm even me, I'm, I'm learning too. and sometimes I have my oops, but recognize it and fix it,
0: <laughs> if possible. That is some excellent advice, which actually brings us to the end of our episode. Which every time you come onto the podcast, you get to give teachers advice to get through this week. So, what advice would you like to give teachers to get through this week?
1: So, October. So, we've transitioned a little bit from native November to October which is another, I would say, important holiday that we like to celebrate as American people, Halloween. So a statement that I would like to, I guess, project is our culture is not a costume. Again, we are a a very meaningful, existent people. Our tribal dress, our tribal attire, depending on the culture, depending on the tribe, have very different meanings ways of earning and ways of representing and so that's just something to be mindful of and to share your share with your students is to be respectful of not just native cultures but other cultures as well that's just some of the advice I have but um yeah I I appreciate you reaching out and asking me to be part of this podcast I know we tried to plan it for a while I'm glad we finally got it to work. And, you know, I love some of the questions you had. And I hope I did my best to
0: answer them. You know, my only complaint is I wish you dug deeper into them and told us all the overwhelming information. (laughs) Next time. I'm going to hold you to that. (laughs) Okay. I'm, I'm ready. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here, giving us excellent advice. I actually, when I get off the Zoom, I'm going to Google. Um, the lullabies. The lullabies. I'm going to Google what cultural centers are near us and put them in the show notes. Because I, I guess it really took me until this moment and you saying, are you using your cultural centers like oh i'm not so yeah and
1: that's not just you know that's not just native american cultural centers too you know each ethnicity does have their own to reach out to and there's definitely cultural districts in every major every major city so there's resources out there i think the hardest part is taking the time to stop and learn. <laughs> Taking saying. a moment out of your busy day just to kind of stop and I guess enjoy it, really. <laughs>
0: right. You're right. we all definitely go, the hardest part. We're all going to go Google it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tiana. But thanks again. I appreciate it. And we'll talk again soon. Yes. Talk to you soon. Have a great night at, at class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. What? an insightful episode. So I did indeed get on Google. I well what I I got on YouTube, let's be honest. I got on YouTube and I looked at some Tagalog lullabies and you know what it really does work cuz I only listened to one lullaby and I was like, "Dang, I just learned a ton." If you are learning a language, like definitely go look up a lullaby in that language on YouTube. You're going to find a plethora of things to learn. If I had to summarize this episode, it would be go to a tribal-led cultural center and connect with the people there. So like Tieta said, there are over 500 First Nations, 39 of them are in Oklahoma. So I Googled this, I Googled 39 tribal nations. And then from there, I found this list. What it's, it um, I'm, linking this into the show notes. The symposium.com and it has 39 tribal nations in Oklahoma. And just going down the list, I randomly selected Potawatomi. No, don't tell stories like that. I randomly selected, oh yes, I did, Potawatomi Nation, and I googled Pottawatomie Nation Cultural Center, and I found their website. And between now and when I scheduled myself, I have a significant amount of obligations. So I have put in my calendar that I'm going to go to the Pottawatomie Nation Cultural Heritage Center, January 27th. So do you want to go with me? Let me know because we need to support our First Nations while we are learning from them directly. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the cross-curricular dance teacher. I always love hearing from listeners about how this episode was insightful or maybe you want to hear about a specific topic. So please let me know whether it's through email, Instagram, or the poll that is linked to this episode on Spotify. Until next time, take care.